Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Thursday Night Streams podcast. This week, we have one of our very own GMU CCM alumni, Brother Christopher Fernandez, who is a Franciscan friar. The title of this talk is Franciscan Roots and Shoots of Laudato Si, Eco-Theology, Catholic Social Teachings, and Caring for a Common Home. Do Catholic Christians care about non-human creation? What about environmental justice concerns? Who was Francis of Assisi, and what does he have to do with Pope Francis's encyclical Adalto Si? Was he an environmentalist? How does Franciscan eco-theology inform church social teachings on the environment? In this talk, our speaker will offer us an overview of, of a Catholic cosmological vision for the 21st century. Brother Christopher Fernandez, a GMU alum, brings his professional and religious background to this discussion about the promise of nature and how the Catholic understanding of creation invites us to consider the earth as our common home. Retrieving from Franciscan sources the riches of the theological tradition, this talk will elaborate on why we are in one sense, both in the world and of the world, and tie the tenets of faith and revelation, creation, and ecistology together in in the Pope's 2015 contribution to Catholic social doctrine. We hope you enjoy. All right, all right, all right. This is exciting, y'all. This is very exciting. It's also very nerve-wracking. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to be on this side of the room because I I am very familiar with being on your side of the room. We'll see how this goes. No, you guys, uh, I'm very excited to be here. This is a topic near and dear to my heart. This is why my vocation even came to be. Um, it wouldn't be what it is without um, the impulses that came from La Laudato Si and all the great stuff that I experienced here at George Mason. So um, I'm just so grateful to God that I get to come full circle, you know, and, and see all you guys um, and see what's new. Oh my gosh, I was walking around campus and I'm like, this is like an alternate universe. Like what happened here? Different buildings are up. Uh, you guys got new food, nicer food. I don't know. And, I think like Star Wars took over. Like I saw these little droids going over there. And then, you know, this one guy asked me if I was a Jedi master, and I said, I, I have nothing to do with those things. I'm sorry. I'm, just here. I'm here for the fun. So um, anyway, it was it was an interesting day. I, w- I was here for the 50th anniversary ceremony, and it was really cool to hear what's going on here at Mason Nation. You guys have a lot going for you. Let me just say, wow. So. Um, you guys are in good hands, and as you heard, I, I was very blessed to leave this place with all the opportunities I had. And CCM, of course, was integral to that experience. So, um, without further ado, perhaps let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, wonderful. So, I got a cool video to show you guys. Um, by the way, that's me. And um, maybe we'll we'll jump in after the video. So let me click the clicker. Let's, let's see if this works. I got my assistant over here. Okay, here we go. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Days. Dark, sacred night. 
just for fun, uh, turn that video on. Um, it's uh, kind of the, the little things that give you life, right? Cat videos on TikTok and things like that, right? So um, here we are. Wow, that's, that, that's, that's the world we live in. How awesome. Praise God. Um, tonight, I, I have like a three-part talk I want to give to you. Let's see how I do. In many ways, you guys are my guinea pigs. Um, so I'm excited to be in my home base to do this, um, and we'll see uh, it improve probably as we go along in my own time as a friar, God willing. So that will be exciting in its own way. My vocation in Franciscan JPIC, and Justice, Peace, and Integrity of Creation. Such an important ministry to us as friars. And, um, I showed you that video because I want to give you guys some, some sort of vision of the world we're living in. Um, and maybe even ask you, beside that video, depending on where you're from, what do you think of when the word nature is said? What do you think of, what pops in your head? Just a quick survey. Trees. Trees, what? Breeze? Trees, okay. trees of green. Trees of green? Oh. Okay. All right, all right. Red roses too. Hardy hard. Okay. Anything, anything else? Come on. Pops in your head. Wildlife? Squirrels? Okay, that's native. What else? Great Falls. Great Falls. That's a good one. Beauty? Oh, that's a good one. Providence. That's a different answer. Okay. Who else? Who else? Us? Us. Oh, I wasn't expecting that answer, but that's the one I was looking for. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, kudos to you. Kudos to you. I heard Great Falls. That's a really great place. I, I got to do some surveying out there and some good hiking too. Uh, very accessible for you guys. So depending where you're from, you have a different sense of what wildlife, what plant life what quote-unquote nature looks like and and it's an abstract term um, really it's it's complicated for some people it's it's become this idealized place so I go to nature to escape you know whatever reality I'm stressing about I go to nature to find something within myself I go to nature to find peace where, where is this nature? I want, I want to know where this nature is. And then even more so, the term environment and ecology have become very complex terms. A lot of ideas and insinuations, connotations tied to them. But we often don't think of ourselves as part of nature. We often don't think of ourselves as part of an environment, as part of creation. So this guy up here, with the ever-fashionable medieval garb, by the way. Um, he's kind of this cool dude, you know, in the 13th century. Um, I hope you've heard about him. He's, he's kind of neat. Um, we have some incredible figures in the church who offer us a vision and um, doctrine, really, um, theology, teaching on what creation is, 
And it's, it's all the magnificence of that video and much more because we're a part of it. Um, and that's what's so special. This, that natural history is also our history. So many people today, I find, generally don't think of that as a first impulse. I'm very, very impressed. I'm like, okay, well, this is good. This is good for GMU, CCM. This is, this is impressive. And especially a lot of Christians and Catholics don't really um, think of that for themselves either, which is why Laudato Si' is so important. So this talk is three parts. I want to talk about creation. I want to talk about what that means. I want to talk about the document a little bit. That'll be thrown in there, of course. But I want to talk about tradition, how our tradition as Catholics, especially the Franciscan tradition, um, can really inform um, how we understand the world around us. And so in part two, I want to look at um, some Franciscan themes and eco-theology that you kind of, if you were to read the document, how many people have read La Lazio Okay, like one or two. <laughs> All right, people, we have some homework after today, hopefully. But it's, it's something I really do encourage people to read. It, it, I know you guys are playing on your plate, believe me. Any science majors? Cool beans, cool beans. <laughs> Natural sciences, uh, life sciences. Nursing counts. Nursing, yes? Okay. Yes. Pre-med and otherwise. Any environment, ecology people? I got, oh, we got one hand. That's cool. That was me, don't worry. I, I was that person. Um, it's cool. It's good to have those. Because you guys are a community that needs to tap on each other, especially as Catholics here at George Mason. So, um, okay, part two, we'll do that. Part three. We'll then see what the Franciscan shoots are, kind of coming out of the document, and some directions forward, some teaching, some things for us to sit with regarding social justice, Catholic social teaching, right? And this, forget, this forgotten gem of the church, Catholic social teaching. So those are the, the three pieces of my talk, and it's very much structured in a mere um, parallel form to the document itself, and to really a lot of uh, theological treatises that are formulated similarly. You have three parts, you know, it's awesome. Three is a great number. I wonder why. <laughs> well, anyway, so we're going to jump right in. I got this guy behind me, as I was saying, St. Francis. He is often associated with a number of stories. What comes in your head when you think of St. Francis? Yes. Dove in the bush, okay. What's that again? The wolf of Gubbio, yeah? Go ahead. Uh, paper stealing animals. Paper stealing animals. The beggar. The beggar, yes. Okay. He met the Sultan, that's right. Sultan al Kamil, that's right. Did he have a stigmata? He did. Okay. He was the first saint to be stigmatized. So we have that honor. And you want to know why? Because, yeah, I know. That's, that's an interesting word. Um, it's because he became so close to Christ and his walk here on earth that our Lord blessed him with these visible signs of conformity, that he had so lowered himself as a Christian on this earth that he was given and bestowed that honor. He, he, I don't know, uh, we could say maybe he asked for it, he had it coming in some ways, but it was a pretty epic story, I'll tell you, you, you should um, break that story open, it's really cool. So we have this guy, he's got many ideas, many associations to him, you call him this animal guy, you call him this uh, maybe bird bath guy, but I hope today we'll maybe break up some of those romanticized images. Not necessarily to disabuse you of the romance of the Middle Ages or the romance of theology and the church teaching. There's a, there's a great romance in our understanding of the world around us. So let's hope that that's something that you guys can walk away with. What I can tell you is, besides these legends, these, this legendary you know, associations that come up with um, St. Francis, there were some serious roles, some serious hats that he wore. He was, of course, a faithful son of the church. Um, being so conformed to Christ, he became known as an alter Christus, another Christ. Um, that's where that title comes. He was a religious founder, obviously. 
um, a religious brother. People think he was a deacon. It's not true. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. Diplomat. He was a church diplomat. The church has had an important role in Western history. Anyone in my West Civ people would know the church has a very important role in, in the development of politics and diplomacy in general. He was a diplomat. He was a visionary, of course, a prophet in many ways, and a poet troubadour. That's an interesting term, poet troubadour. We'll come back to that. He was a missionary disciple. Well, that sounds like a familiar term. <laughs> and he was not an environmentalist. He was a creationistic. He was a man centered and rooted in himself, as, as many of us are called to do the same. So, but this, none of this precludes that he still can't teach us something about ecology and environment. And we'll get to that in just a sec. So this is the man, this is the man of history. Um, the, the, the guy that actually lived, it looks a lot different than the way we paint him. Although this is a fresco in our basilica, uh, painted by Giotto, very nice. Um, and so he founded this movement, it's incredible. Um, he, he didn't plan on it, but you know, he ended up having a lot of these guys who said, oh man, this, 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 is, this is just, this is tremendous, this is something else. This is something I gotta be a part of. You know, it sounds like the early disciples, you know, it sounds like the apostles. Very interesting. Um, but it, it moved people that he, he was so set on transforming his life after his own conversion experience, after his own fall off the horse, that Pauline image, right? He had his own conversion, the scales falling from his own eyes, realizing that military life was not for him. He wanted to be a chivalrous knight. And in many ways, he did become a knight of the Lord. So this movement, this order, this order Friars Minor, um, has a lot of attributes that are incredibly rich theologically. One more title we could give St. Francis is um, Vernacular Theologian. That's a big word. But he, he just lived, he just lived faith. He, he, just by his witness, we have a whole 800 year history, tradition. Incredible, incredible. And what he lived specifically, that we're gonna pull from today, is three things. Order Friars Minor, conventional we could say too. Um, an order of Friars, Fraternitas, Minoritas, that's what he was hoping to, to really espouse as the poor man of Assisi. And um, mission. He felt really called to help rebuild the church, of course, that famous story of St. Francis. So these are really important to us because as we're going to discuss, fraternitas is foundational to ecotheology. Ecology is the study of relationships. So fraternity and a universal vision is, is really profound in St. Francis. Minoritas is humbling oneself, becoming conformed to Christ, taking nothing on the road, that kind of discipleship we're called to, becoming holy, living mercy. So these attributes, along with his call to help rebuild the church, constitute something very important for us. Um, they give us a vision of a sense of community, which you guys are experiencing very tangibly here at George Mason. A community, though, that included the rest of creation. The word nature didn't exist in, in St. Francis's vocabulary. So, creation was the only term that she would use to bespeak of something else that was natural, that was maybe not human, although we, many of them back then would have been very aware that they were part of the creation. Creation in general is a, such an important topic across world religions. Um, and it informs our cosmological view as Catholics, as Christians. So it's very important that we know this moving forward, um, and this is why Pope Francis sort of flagged it for us, so important. So we got this concept of a community of creation that emerges from this. We have this concept of the humility of God, God incarnate, really cool. And then, of course, building on these, we have a sense of um, brotherhood and sisterhood with other creatures. And that sounds kind of weird because today we wouldn't say much of that, but it's for sure in a very spiritual sense, true, very true. Not animistic at all, don't look into word. Um, so 
these are, these are foundational for St. Francis and his vision. And when uh, Pope Innocent gave him oral approval to start grouping his, his buddies to form this order, um, they were permitted and, and tasked with preaching peace and penance. And the word penance meant something a lot different than I think a lot of us think of today, in some ways. Um, and his courtly chivalrousness, should I say, um, encouraged him, animated him to be a man of knightly chivalry to all, to all creatures. And so that wasn't that wasn't a lie. He did he did have this um, gift, uh, this thermo thermo how do they say thermotalgic? It's this big word. This 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 miraculous gift essentially of speaking to animals. And he wouldn't be the only one to do that, but it's because of the innocence that he acquired in taking on this life. Uh, so, courtesia, he, he treated every, everything and everyone with courtesy. Peace and penance were a part of that vision. Penance, as we'll learn a little bit more in, just a, in a little bit more in the talk, is um, a concept that for him was what, f what founded his movement, his movement to, to, to shift the church, um, to help rebuild it. And of course, all this was encapsulated in a sacramental and Eucharistic vision of the cosmos, of creation. So very Christocentric, okay? Um, so we're going to now move on to just overviewing quickly the document, well that's to see, and from here we'll talk a little bit about some of what comes out of it. Um, that's Franciscanized, which is cool. So the, the document itself is the, the second document in the church that um, is written not just to the Catholics. If you ever open the first page, you would note that it's open to all people of goodwill. So it's the second document since around the time of Vatican Council II, when Pope John XXIII wrote such a document, because he knew that these sort of ideas and concepts were so important for more than just Catholic Christians. So. Um, this is the second one, and of course the third would be what? The recent one. Who, who knows the recent one? The recent encyclical. Fratelli Tutti. Yes, wonderful, thank you. Okay, so the document takes on uh, that model from John the Twenty-Third. There's three pieces to it, not surprising. Uh, it follows this model of seeing, judging, and acting. Uh, is anyone familiar with this social teaching vision? This structure of how we do social justice? This is how he founds this document. It's rooted in the, the Catholic social tradition. Okay, so his book is broken up in five chapters or so, uh, six actually, and across these, he gives us a sense of what we're seeing in, in creation today, and how we can analyze these issues as Catholics, and we're gonna judge those issues. And then he tells us how we should act, respond to what God is communicating to us. The Holy Spirit is teaching us. So these are the three main pieces that we'll sort of get into today. The one thing I do want to highlight before we move on is that he corrects some very important details about how we interpret Genesis. Um, now, <laughs> how many people know, truly know, the Genesis narratives? How many narratives do we have? This is not a trick question. Yeah, oh, two. Go, cool. So I saw a handful of people. That's awesome. I tell you, I meet, I meet a lot more people um, that don't know this. We have two Genesis narratives. And it's, it's like gymnastics trying to make them equate each other. It's important to realize that scripture is not a science textbook, okay? So Pope Francis is continuing this science and religion dialogue. It's very important. And he's correcting some manners of interpreting the Genesis narrative which is for us an important cosmogonic teaching, a cosmogonic basis. That means how we understand our relationship to the world. Um, so he um, denounces or decries the use of a dominion model that is tyrannically anthropocentric. That's a very powerful word, tyrannically. And this is because um, that's not what dominion means. Dominion is often termed, interpreted as domination. So he's trying to help us move away from this understanding of reading scripture 
because it's the basis of how we look at the rest of scripture. And a lot of scripture talks about creation. It's pretty awesome. Once you see it, you won't stop seeing it. It's like ecology. Once you see a certain species, you never stop seeing it for your life. It's really cool. So this is what he's correcting for us from the get-go. And really one of the pivotal pieces of this document is moving us from this to a stewardship model. Understanding that dominion was a task, was a responsibility given to us as humans, to our first parents, that we were tasked with tilling and keeping the earth, not just plundering it as we wish and doing with it what we will. Now, of course, we could use it, and he gave us those instructions very clearly in Genesis, but Catholic social teaching will build from there. So, the Franciscan knowledge piece. Here we go. Here are some tools for us to understand what's happening in the document. We have some Franciscan disciples I want to highlight for us. So we have Francis and Claire, of course, and um, tied to their vision, uh, Claire, of course, second order uh, foundress, uh, next to St. Francis, really. Um, again, Eucharistic and incarnation. Um, this image is beautiful here, of them at the, the creche. One story that's true is the, 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 the Christmas crash at Grecio. It's very much a Franciscan tradition. And the Stations of the Cross, mind you, were in Lent. Um, Claire was, a, in many ways, a, another important figurehead of the Franciscan movement. And Claire offers us some important understanding of how Franciscans do prayer, how we do active contemplation. Although she was in her monastery, the friars on the road really, I think, lived this. And the sisters, of course, did it wonderfully. It is, of course, similar to Lexio, so you kind of do, what's the first piece? Read. You read, okay. What's the second step? You put yourself in. You put yourself, okay, you're, you're meditating, you're putting yourself in the scripture. What's the third step? Contemplatio. Contemplatio. Okay, so for her, the first step of Lectio is really gaze. We're gazing at the cross of Christ. We're gazing at the scripture. This, this scripture which for us interprets and allows us to see a living, a living God, um, living reality, divine reality. So we gaze, we consider, we let that sit in our mind, we contemplate. And the last step for Franciscan is very important, is we imitate. You have to imitate it. You can't just... Oh, that was such an amazing prayer session. Well, I don't even know about it. Um, okay, so that's Claire. Okay. Um, here, I, oh, this is an image of the, the, the stigmatization. Now, again, this is part of that reality of conforming ourselves to the mirror of the cross. Um, we have this, this is our shrine in Ellicott City, by the way. I encourage you to come visit us. Um, this is St. Claire. Um, and her mirror of the cross. That scripture really is for us too. And Francis conformed himself so much, and Claire, that of course he receives the stigmata because of how vital it was for him to become like Christ, to walk in his very footsteps. And, and so we have this image of Pope Francis uh, signing the document at the tomb of St. Francis. Uh, Pope Francis signed document about to see at the, the, at the tomb of Francis. Um, very powerful images, and he did that for Fratelli Tucci as well. Um, I want to move on to the next disciple here. So all this Claire in regard. Claire, in many ways, was a healing saint. I do want to say that. Um, I'd be willing to talk more about that. But being a medieval woman monastic, they were so important in helping people heal, not just physically, but spiritually. So our first, our second disciple, rather, is St. Anthony. St. Anthony was tasked by St. Francis to teach, to teach the friars, to give them some theological foundations for when they go out about in the world, because we weren't tied to our friaries anymore. So this is a beautiful statue uh, on our grounds there. I recommend, again, you come and just take a walk. It's a beautiful space. Again, emphasizing that Eucharistic vision, Anthony offers us an understanding of contemplatio that sees everything and everyone the way God would see it. That's, that's how we understood contemplation, seeing everything the way God created it. Um, and so he really inculcated that with the friars as they're studying and preparing themselves theologically for ministry. 
that we edify our formation and not stifle our spirit of prayer because precisely our focus is not on studying. Our focus is on the ends, which is building up the church and being building up the people of God. So there's a nice mention of St. Anthony. Now we have St. Bonaventure. So he was a contemporary of St. Thomas. I know there's a Thomistic Institute here, I heard. Um, there's also a Franciscan Institute. The thing is, um, you know, we're just so many friars with so many different ways of brothering each other. We can't get organized enough to do that kind of fun stuff. Uh, we get pulled in all sorts of directions. But although, if someone wants to head that up, I really do welcome that. We have a lot of wonderful lay Franciscan scholars. But at uh, any rate, the Franciscan Institute helps publish a number of important Franciscan documents. And that, of course, um, precluding St. Bonaventure's. Um, they have some cool videos online too, I recommend. Um, St. Bonaventure was um, a doctor of the church as well as St. Thomas. They were contemporaries, both studying at the University of Paris. And Bonaventure developed some ideas about uh, pietas that St. Francis um, really lived. And that pietas, piety, was not just this piety of um, devotion, in a sense that we know today of saying our devotional prayers and things like that. It was rather tied to his chivalrous life um, and his courtesia and his humility, as I was saying, um, this pietas of being deferential to everyone. He embraced the beggar. I think I heard someone say the beggar. He embraced the leper. He embraced the diplomat. He embraced, he embraced the pope. He embraced those who didn't like the church much. He embraced the, the, the Muslims of the time, which is very, very tricky, because he was a missionary in a true sense, but he wasn't trying to stir trouble either. So Bonaventure captures this pietas and builds it into Franciscan aesthetics, Franciscan vision of beauty. Us friars, when we enter our prayer and we enter our life of prayer, which is active living out our prayer, we, we think that this is important because it is a path of beauty. It's a via pulcritudinis, a path, a path of beauty, a be the beauty of the world around us, the beauty that God has set in our lives. Um, that which we don't even know we're going to accomplish or the people we're not sure we're going to even meet. So we have this sense of um, life as a journey of beauty and a task of cultivating beauty as Catholics, as Christians. So creation in this sense of Bonaventure is a book, is a mirror. Just as we have the book of the Gospels, the book of Scripture, creation too is a book. That's a very common thing. Bonaventure wasn't the first to say that, but important, because think, um, pardon, Pope Francis uses the same term to say the Gospel of creation in La Laudato Si. So it very much builds on that. Uh, the doctrine of exemplarity was part of his understanding of creation, the Franciscan understanding of creation. With three transcendentals, the creation um, being um, a community of creatures that all reflected God, of course, as mirrors, but with three transcendentals in their image, in their likeness, and in their vestige, fancy words. But they all basically mean that every creature reflects something beautiful of God, reflects some creativity of God that we'll never know. So, from here, we have a, a vision, a foundation for Franciscan theology of, of creation. One that is Christocentric, in that Bonaventure and John Duns Scotus, the next Franciscan disciple, helps build upon. And this next important, I think, doctrine that Bonaventure um, offers us and Scotus builds on is a Trinitarian Christocentrism, um, again, informing us about how God blesses this cosmos, this creation we live in. Scotus was a Mariologist, he gave us the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. Well, he was, he was long gone when it was claimed a dogma, but he was important in that um, accomplishment. He gave us this understanding of the particularity of those very creatures in creation, how they are all blessings in their particularity. Whereas Thomas talks about quiditas, that there's this thisness, that you then make these creatures and these species. Rather, he proposes hecheitas, that we have a particularity 
Every one of us as humans, I mean, we all look different, different skin tones, different backgrounds, you know. Same is true for creatures, okay? So this is what he's acknowledging, the blessing in the particular. And again, emphasizing what Bonaventure taught in that mirror, that all of creation reflects the goodness of God. Franciscan theology is all about the good, all about the good and the beauty and the truth. But they didn't just have to be good, so it's kind of cool when it is beautiful, and it often is. So, now we're going to kind of get to this last leg of the talk. We have all this rich terminology, theology, um, concepts that the friars have been um, keepers of for 800 years. How does this matter to us today? Um, when Pope Francis set out to write this document, I don't think he realized that a student here at George Mason University was put, beating his head with some of these questions about why is it that um, environment is such a challenging topic for Christians um, and the world in general. Like, what, what is it? What is it that just, just astounded me? You know, I was like, wow, this is this was an answer to my prayers, uh, my brothers and sisters. It really was, um, and it's particularly because of the what. These these insights, like I had no idea, no idea until you know I just shared some of these these insights with you that were really just citing it straight from the book. These all comes from um, our tradition, our Catholic tradition, Franciscan and otherwise too, patristic, um, and and even more recent theologians. Very very rich. So um, his his helping us update our sense of creation is super important because it helps us to envision how we, our brothers and sisters, all in one community, in the place that God places us. We're not just randomly where we're at. So um, one thing that I, I think is crucial that we start to develop in thinking about La see is precisely how we start thinking and talking about the world around us. You know, I often hear people conflate the word, the word world a lot. It's um, it's really just become one of these terms that um, I'm becoming a, a grammar, one of those grammar Nazis about, because it it has such a big implication how we talk about other creatures. You wouldn't call um, some of your family members it, would you? Um, Saint Francis certainly didn't call other creatures it. You know, I'm a cousin it from you know the. Yeah, I was saying, but this is not, no, it's not, not seriously. I mean, it's, it, there is this, this language that we have that even this speaks how we've been treating creation lately. And it's really sad. Um, and it's, it's, just a, it's just a matter of um, history. But the, the Middle Ages had different terms for the world. Like I said, creation, um, there was no term nature. But the term creation um, was rooted in understanding of the mundum, the cosmos, which is one word. You had understanding of the terum, terra, which is the earth, and then you had the seculum. Uh, and this, these three words, uh, the seculum being the age, you know, the age, the worldly age, these three got conflated over time. And it's very important, I think, that we kind of be mindful when we talk about the world, because um, as Catholics, we often conflate and denigrate, I think, or subconsciously talk about creation in that way. And this kind of attaches, attaches to what Pope Francis is drawing out of the document. We have some social sin. I'm sorry, it's, it is what it is. You and I, every one of us is not individually culpable, but Catholic social teaching is very clear that the way society has developed and our structures have some historic um, in instances of sin that have built up over time that are really hard to break down, but we gotta start doing it together. So this is where that environmental justice piece comes in. Pope Francis is decrying that there is this relativism, right? And not only in thought, it's about this throwaway culture. The way I treat creatures is how I treat all creatures, even human creatures. And it's very true around the world. You know, some of the great mystic figures have said that how a country treats the animals is how they treat their, their poor. So the cry of the poor and the cry of the earth really are uh, at, at what's at hand here. And unfortunately, a lot of poor um, people around the world um, who have very little um, say or maybe contribution to this environmental crisis of ours 
um, they, they, they pay the consequence. They really do. We have friars serving on the border right now. Um, it's really bad, guys. It's really bad. It's really sad. Not, not only this border. We have friars serving also on the border right now in Ukraine. That's really sad. That's an environmental issue. Environmentalism, it, it, it's a strange beast, the social political movement. But environmental issues are very important for us Christians, precisely because our brothers and sisters are in harm, are in harm's way. That's why it matters to us, because the things we do to creation impact those lives that are rushing across borders, looking for safety, and can no longer remain in their home places that God gifted them. This is a common home. So when, when, when they come across the border and they're not welcomed, you, you know, it, it, it doesn't bespeak the pietas or the, the Catholic sense of hospitality that we have in our tradition. Um, okay, so I want to wrap this up. Um, but you can see where these threads are coming and going. I want to end with the shoots, the Franciscan shoots, right? Um, there's so much I could say, my gosh. Um, so we're trying to avoid this practical relativism, this, ah, uh, you know, this is, not, this is not my backyard, I don't have to care about it. Uh, this, is, this mentality of, oh, that pollution is not in my neighborhood, oh, thank God, I don't have to worry about it. Um, but it, it is in your brother or sister's neighborhood. It is in a very, maybe, delicate habitat or ecosystem that there's only one or two of in the world, you know. Those are very important considerations, guys. So Pope Francis is challenging us to um, think and pray about these scenarios and to inform ourselves of a Catholic cosmology that stands in stewardship and starts to even think about kinship. What does that even look like today? It's, it's a challenge, and that's where I think Fratelli Tutti really hits it hard as well, this universal sense of fraternity. So we're trying to move from, I'm gonna move forward some of these. Um, we're trying to move from a sense of um, not treating the other with the dignity that they're supposed to be receiving, and also understanding that all creation has some dignity by virtue of the very uh, blessing of creation and incarnation. Incarnation that Christ himself took on flesh and material. That, that Francis recognized this and his brothers, his disciples, the order, the friars, um, and the four players. This is, so, this is so important, so important. That we don't besmirk our common home. That we don't think of it um, as something, this is going to play, but I'm going to keep talking. That we don't somehow um, think of it as this place we just do with it as we will, you know. We don't, we don't just go about rapaciously taking what we want and, and um, abusing the commons. There are things that we can do as Catholics, and this is our property in Ellicott City, by the way. You see um, our solar, solar array. There's things that we can begin to do and large, each of us in our actions, it is important that we start responding. And this is the call of Lada to see, that we begin to respect the dignity of the place God gave us. How many of us know the local Fairfax ecology? How many of us know, you know beyond the squirrels? Some of the plants and trees? How many of us sit out there and, and maybe consider how, how that reflects the beauty that's also within? This is the challenge of Franciscan theology that we find in La Laudato Si. And there's, there's initiatives the church is working on. Right now, the, the church is working real hard. And so this is an invitation for all of us to jump on board, um, to, to really care that the dignity of creation matters to us because we are all in it together. Pope Francis repeats that we're we're all interconnected, every living being. So instead of treat, treating this wonder as uh, something to be discarded, this throwaway kind of mentality and this relativizing that it's not my problem or it's not mine to take care of, we kind of start inviting for ourselves an understanding of the earth and our common home, but also our local place, Fairfax, Virginia, 
as um, a space that's blessed. So the earth is an icon. It's an icon of God's love to us. It is a solar jukebox, and we're part of the song. Than I, expected. <laughs> I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna forward it. But this is this is just to give you a sense of um, space that you we we friars are working just as hard as others in this initiative. We're growing some of our own food, um, and and many places too. Um, that's becoming uh, an increasing reality for um, church property. Um, here's just a photo of my family. This is the Franciscans for you. Um, but I want to end um, then with, with an exhortation for you guys just to sit with all of this information. There's a lot more I could have said. I don't want to go terribly over time because I want to give us, um, what, five or ten minutes to, to answer some questions. Um, the direction forward is um, kind of responding beyond just responding in a, in a practical sense, informing ourselves uh, ecologically, you know, scientifically, um, doing the little things, you know, in your home. But beyond that, spiritually, like, what am I doing? How I, have I ever stopped to give thanks? Give thanks to God for these creatures, for this creation, for my own creation, not my body, you know? This is a blessing, and our bodies have so much wisdom precisely because they're rooted in God's blessing and that Christ came into the world and blessed that. So we are all tied up also, to close, um, in a future together. The Franciscan vision um, does not detract from um, envisioning a new creation where everything that brought us joy in this life somehow it won't be in the next, because it's probably three times more awesome. So, we have an understanding of redemption that means all of us are called to walk that path together. We're all called to that new creation, the eschaton, this heavenly home place. But that means we can't treat this place that we're physically at right now like trash. We can't treat it like um, we don't live here. Um, I strikingly pose to you that in one sense, we are in the world and of the world. Mundo. Not the age. We're definitely not in. We're not meant to be in the age. We're meant to be where God planted us, as seeds of the gospel. So don't ever forget that. We're all called on the same mission to, to the heavenly home place, and that means the galaxies, that means the squirrels, that means the meerkats sleeping. All of it, all of it, all of it sits at the feet of Christ. It's kind of crazy to say that. Maybe some of you guys never imagined a religious standing in front of you saying any of that. But this is what we're called to start praying with in our meditation. And then imitating. How do I live that respect and that understanding of beauty and inculcating and wanting to make more beauty in my in the life? So this is what I have for you today. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and open this to some questions before we close and pray. Yes? So I have two questions. Um, one is knowing that although nature is beautiful is also shockingly brutal um, at times, how could we, like, join that, you know, into the sense that Uh, that's a very great question, and one that we shouldn't um, not take, uh, or we shouldn't take for granted. That uh, there is some dangers in the world. That you know we are still very human creatures. One thing that Saint Francis says that I think is very applicable here: we, we as humans, are not anything more than God created us to be. He said in one of his admonitions after writing the Rule and Testament. Be who you are, nothing more, nothing less. And that means also at a species level. I think one of the problems with the Dominion model is that we think we're superhumans and we start constructing things and uh, bulldozing. And uh, you wouldn't do that you know, back in agri agrarian society, certainly not, without considering what the ramifications are. But um, back to the species level, 
We are human species, not super, not superhumans. We're called to till and cultivate, but that means we're also respectful and mindful that Sister Mother Earth can strike back. Yeah, it's ugly. Um, and she's been, she's been doing what she does. And unfortunately, parts of the world are getting hit hard by earthquakes, by um, all sorts of typhoons and monsoons. That, that's for sure is a reality, but part of the awesomeness and mystery of the world and the cosmos And so that's something also to sit with prayer, that we, our Christian hope doesn't ignore those harsh realities, doesn't ignore the justice issues, doesn't ignore any of that. Those are harsh realities, but Jesus never promised us that we wouldn't suffer. You know? Okay, anyone else? So I want to say thank you first. This is a really cool topic, and I think it is really important to hear. And I just wanted to know, like, any practical ways you think in our lives that we can do those little small things in the home or out here to not trash our world? Oh, yes. Oh, man. So this will be, like, a, a second talk. Like, <laughs> this, this talk could have, like, you know, five variations in my head. Um, this would be one of them. Yeah, okay. So this is one thing that the document is criticized about. Well, that's a see. It gives us a little bit of, um, okay, we've got to act, we've got to become a little bit more ecologically literate, we have to be even literate theologically, again, in our cosmology and stuff. Okay, good, good, good. But then how do we actually do that? Okay, um, it's, it's challenging, um, but we have it in our tradition as well. Um, one thing that I was mentioning was uh, Francis' sense of penance was to turn one's life entirely, entirely from something that... Um, it's not building of the kingdom, the kingdom as it is here, the divine economy that we're living in. Um, so it's challenging um, because there's so many things that could be said about how we can start doing that. Um, but it, it does speak that the principles of Catholic social teaching challenge us to work locally. They challenge us to work within our means, with our local common good. You know, what are my resources? What are, what's my socioeconomic uh, capabilities? So these are things you gotta think about as a Catholic, and of course, pray about these things, guys. Pray about them, um, and talk to people. Um, and people, just get curious, you know, get curious. Um, we, we as Catholics need to be better at um, building community with non-Catholics who are experts in this, and some Catholics that are experts in this. But in your household, um, to start doing that discernment for yourself. There's so many ways one can start to do that ecological conversion and realizing um, how you might be contributing to um, structures of sin, especially the ecological parts. So that's, that's a hard one because there's a lot of things I could say. I don't want to get into that rant, but uh, my best advice is you're here at George Mason. There's a lot of experts tap on their shoulders, and you have at least one classmate here in the room that might give you some pointers. Okay. Any other questions? One or two questions? Yes? I've been thinking a lot about, I guess, young people and in particular young children, right? Um, and a lot of times I see that they're almost kind of addicted to their devices, right? To the point where they can't really get their heads above their devices, right? They don't take the time to let their imaginations roam. They don't take the time to look at the beauty that we have outside. Uh, what do you think would be an adequate way to encourage young children to kind of look at nature and, and look at the beauty that God's provided us. Um, because a lot of times I think that maybe they think it's boring. They think it's you know something that's not worth their time. They think it's gross and sweaty out there because they're so comfortable in their you know on their couches, on their tablets. Yeah. Uh, I, uh... Don't give small children tablets. Yes. Hundred percent. A plus. A plus. Yeah. Future parents in the room, no, this is serious. You got, we really gotta start talking about that, guys. That's a great question, um, and there's a lot in there as well. So I give you some pictures just to give you a sense of. Um, this is fun. Okay, <laughs> I did this here. I did this during my time at Mason. These are all photos of my summers or my labs, uh, my internships as related here at George Mason. I, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, kids today are really nervous about the outdoors. And they're just comfortable with seeing it on the screen, and you know that's that's fine and dandy. But we, we need to develop a sense of place, and you have to do it in little ways. But kids are natural scientists. That's the great thing. It's the great thing. And so you got to start young. You got to start young. It's harder when we start maturing and you know, going to adolescence. You got to start young, and you got to start you know we got to start talking to our, our children 
and our younger siblings, um, our adolescents, about how, like, just, you know, take a break from the screen, you know, you're going to hurt your eyes. But the, the, the spiritual ramifications, like I was kind of mentioning you guys, and the video I showed you earlier on, and, and all these Franciscan um, insights, we can look at creation as a book. So if they don't like reading, you better tell them that. It's just, you know, there's a book, and it's like everywhere, and it's like the world of imagination. And that's, that's, that's a prayer form, okay? So I would encourage that, like, oh, just, you know, there's so much, there's so much we could, we, we could harvest, so much we could grow in wisdom and just our, our backyards. And kids are fantastic at that. Like, just, honestly, they, they just start going around, going about, and just get curious, encourage curiosity. They're, they're natural scientists. But for our um, older teens and our siblings and stuff like that, that is a bit of a conversation. Um, but again, I think that's an important one to have um, because it is a reality, that technocratic paradigm, that science is going to save us, technology is going to save us. It's not what Pope Francis is saying in this document, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, modern culture society um, has somehow divorced uh, care of the earth um, with, um, yeah, care of the life. Yes. Contraception. Yes. Um, abortion. Anything like that. How do both of these like important issues play into one another, and how can we as Catholics think about that? Yeah. Yeah. This is the seamless garment part of Catholic social teaching, and I, so he's asking about how we envision a, a holistic vision, and it matters, guys. Again, how you treat um, little ones. Uh, little ones, and, and I mean human and non-human, how you treat little ones really matters. Um, in our society, it's horrible. It's, it's just, just disgusting um, all around. And, and I think that's very important that you note this. You know, this part, um, it really, it really it's, it's so angering, and this is the folly of environmentalism, is precisely the lack of respect of, of the things that most matter. Why do we conserve in the first place? Well, that's what C is the answer. We don't just conserve and, you know, tie off places so humans can't access them. This becomes a lot of number, a number of uh, justice issues relate to this. Okay, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood sets up in uh, communities of color that also have a number of pollution issues, health issues. Um, oh my gosh, it, it, it just, that's all tied together. You can't respect, um, the, if you can't respect the life and the womb here, how are you really going to respect the life in the womb we were, were, were planted in, the sister mother earth of ours? We have three mothers, of course, our biological parents, Mama Mary, but we have our sister mother earth. And don't we ever forget that. They're all related. They're all, there's that mothering nature um, to, to creation. And we're, we're, God reminds us of that daily. So important to care for um, the, uh, the, the, the children in the womb. It really is. It doesn't mean we put environmental matters first, particularly because we want this future for those generations. We have to care for our species, and that's part of the narrative. It's our history. It's our natural history. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. There's so much that could be said there. Maybe one more question? What do you think? Yeah, just one. Okay, one more question. Yeah, oh, yes. struggle with, especially during pandemic, and it's not unfamiliar to some Christians too, um, and I, I would imagine some of you, once you graduate from here and start taking on your professional lives or your lives as Catholics, um, anxieties come for many reasons, and like I said, those migrants on the border, that's a form of eco-anxiety, that their farms are drying up and they can't grow their food anymore and they can't grow sustenance for themselves, that's a form of eco-anxiety. There's all different kind of terminologies for that. That's just, you know, depending on the group you're talking to. 
But yeah, the fear factor is real. Uh, fear factor is be show. <laughs> the fear element is, is very real. And like he was, uh, someone else was mentioning uh, just the dangers that we face in creation um, in, in the physical world today because of the changes in environmental degradation and the climate that Pope Francis um, rightly points out to us. When we're seeing what's going on, it's important um, that we not lose our sense of rootedness in our faith of revelation. This is where the Christocentric element is so important. Creation is patterned after Christ. Patterned after Christ. And don't you ever forget it. This is all a gift. So the fact that it's in trouble, it's all it's all God's God, it's all in God's hands. And sometimes I have to tell I tell Jesus because uh, you know there are things as a, as a conservation scientist that do concern me, and 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 I think this should concern more Christians. They really should, precisely because of the implications to to our lives. But. Yes, the fear is very real, but I would, I would tell, especially Christians, never fear. The gospel is, is very clear. Never fear, precisely because our hope is in the resurrection. Our hope is in the resurrection, and our hope of resurrection is for all, all of creation. In the end, there will be no more suffering for any creature, and anything that disturbs us here certainly will not in the next. So what it drives my care for our common home that you have to have when you engage in this sort of field, this sort of um, prayer, this, these sort of concerns. You're Christians, guys. You're not, you're not in the anxiety of the age. That's an anxiety of the age. Oh, yes, call it for what it is. This is the gift of faith. So that's what I have for you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening, and we really hope you enjoyed this talk about the Franciscan roots and shoots of the Delto Sea. We hope that this inspires you to really start caring about our common home, and after hearing from someone who is so in love with God's creation, you're inspired to go make the world a better place. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next one. Live, laugh, and love.